0: these books. I thought I'd take some light reading in case I got bored. Welcome to TFM's Local Books and Comic Show for Star Trek and I'm just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm so excited that back with me is Casey Pettit. Casey,
1: how are you doing today? I am doing great, except wondering where summer is here in the Northwest because it has rained non-stop for the last like week. And it's great cuz it cuts down on fires. But it sucks because we have no summer.
0: You know, I'm agreeing with you on that because I absolutely uh, am enjoying the fact that we will hopefully not have forest fires. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I'm also with you in the sense that I am absolutely ready for summer at this point. And I grew up in Texas. I don't like the heat. I don't like the humidity type of thing. But, yeah, it's just it's time. Yeah. I mean, come on, For, goodness. What are we at mid-June Please.
1: here, and it's, yeah, and it's Spokane, where I'm in eastern Washington. It's the dry side of the state, and we're getting, like, Seattle <laughs> Uh
0: It's crazy. It's been crazy here, too, so right there with you, but um, I'm excited to be here to talk uh, some comics and uh, finish up the Daedalus series, or duology, I guess, at this point, so... But uh, you can find us wherever uh, you get your podcasts. Uh, and if you're on Apple Podcasts or uh, something like a Spotify where you can give us a star rating and review, we'd really appreciate it. it. Definitely helps people find the show. So uh, And um, you know, if it's like Apple Podcasts, we always read those reviews out on the show as well. So please do give us a star rating and review in those places. And uh, just make sure you're subscribed. You'll get the show as soon as it drops, which is always the best place to be. So you never miss out on any content. Of course, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Trek FM or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. There's the listeners only discussion group that you can join uh, where you can talk to listeners from all over the world about the different podcasts here. And of course, we've got the website at trek.fm, where you can find us and all of the shows that we're doing. And if you want to make sure that all of these podcasts keep coming to you, we would appreciate you supporting us over at patreon.com slash FM, like our wonderful associate producers here on Patreon and through Patreon, Casey Pettit, as well as Greg Rosio, who makes sure that of course, Literary Treks keeps coming to each and every week with their support, as well as the entire network. So it has definitely been a rough few years, so we definitely would appreciate anything that you could do. Again, that's patreon.com slash trek.fm. So, Casey, uh, we haven't had any new Mirror War issues come out recently, but mm-hmm. we have had another Adventures in the 32nd Century! <laughs> Issue four. And uh, so I'm wondering, has this continued its trend of being a fun comic for you to read or has it gone up or down?
1: What was this issue like for you, sir? So yes, this has continued to be enjoyable. This actually, I believe is the last of this little run of, of comics here. And this one's about Linus, who's our favorite Saurian from uh, Star Trek discovery and um i would uh I, i'm gonna just go out on a limb here and say this is my favorite of the four so far this was just a fun wow okay yeah. we we get so linus i think when he showed up on discovery was kind of a fan favorite just because he's kind of that weird alien you know he doesn't look like he's he's one of the non-human type characters that we've got and um so, kind of anytime we can get more linus is fun, and this was actually just kind of a um, on on the more serious side, I guess for linus. Um, we learn a little bit more of saurian uh, physiology, the fact that they 've got four hearts, and that they uh, don 't beat in sync until like it 's kind of almost um, uh, we come to find out basically that as they have important life events that 's when their hearts start coming more and more into sync. Um, and that by itself is just kind of a fun insight, I guess, into this alien species. We've always heard of Saurians from the Saurian brandy that Kirk loves so much. Um, but then to learn, to learn that, but then to have that. Like lead into him helping save the crew from whatever they're doing. Like that's something unique about himself that he's mm-hmm. actually able to contribute to the crew by essentially the, he has to put the whole crew in, uh, like a heart arrhythmia, which nobody, mm. none of us wants to have happen, but, um, you know, ends up saving the crew and it, it, it almost makes Linus feel more like the crew, but it, it was actually one of these stories that it had a, um, I don't know, I was going to say real world, but uh, a current time, you know, like a tie-in to the current point in the series of Discovery, but then also, you know, background on this character that I think everyone's come to love, but more so than like Grudge, the -hmm. cat, you know, or, um, you know, the Detmer story even didn't have a huge impact, I felt like, on the greater Discovery story. And this one didn't have a huge impact on it, but it just felt It felt like a better character development piece, I guess, um, as far as, um, like I said, bringing him into the crew than than what we've even gotten on screen. So, yeah, I think and the artwork in this one, too, is I don't know if it's the same people that are doing the artwork each issue, but um, the colors were so much more vibrant. The, The likenesses were very good. Um, they kind of have been all along but especially i feel like in this one they really got saru and linus and burnham especially um and yeah i mean just i feel like pretty fantastic all the way around um you know so if i was going to if i was going to rate this one um i would probably give it 5 out of 4 heartbeats in sync um just because wow. yeah, this this is one that would if this was the first issue i'd be like oh I, I want to see more stories like this and mm-hmm. and it figures that on their last uh, issue that's where they really hit their rhythm, I feel like on, on these yeah. adventures in the 32nd century.
0: I mean, that's really cool though to me that uh, for you, you know, you, you've been reading the series, you've been enjoying it mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, obviously uh, there uh, haven't been any issues with it. it. You haven't not liked it but it's interesting to me that for you, you feel like they, they did really find um, their, you know, their best footing with the last issue, yeah. which is kind of great, you know. I mean, at least, uh, you know, I think, in all honesty, you, you would much rather the the series end strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the fact that it was able to do so for you is is awesome. So, that, I mean, it sounds like in the end, you know, this was... Uh, a um a series that uh, you were really glad that they, you know,
1: actually produced in the first place, which is great. Yeah. And this is one, I think this issue, especially ending on this issue, what it makes me think is, oh, I hope they do this for Strange New Worlds where they do kind of one-shot character-focused issues on characters that we don't see much like Hammer <laughs> or uh, – mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, I guess Hammer's the only kind of main crew. I could see a Hammer. I could see an, an Mbanga story uh, working well in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think um, a number one or a Una story. I think that Strange New Worlds has actually got some great characters that would fit really well in this This kind of one-shot. Um, sure. it, adventures in the 23rd century or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they should go like that a, route.
0: Like a Sam Kirk. You oh, know. Sam Kirk. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be good. Yeah. Cause uh you know he we're always worried that he's gonna get um, injured on <laughs> episodes honestly uh, so yeah I think
1: that would be uh, actually really cool uh, they're gonna to make us to fall to, in love with Sam Kirk before the uh, end of Strange New Worlds. probably
0: run. probably whether we see his I mean, demise I or not yeah exactly uh so no I mean I I I'm glad that uh, it ended up uh, you know being a great comic uh, for you in the end and and. You know, I I don't know what more you could ask than the fact that, hey, it's it's a comic that you ended up really enjoying uh, reading in in the end. So that's fantastic. And hopefully then that will continue. You know, uh, I'll be interested, of course, um, when we finally get uh, more Mere War issues. Um, You know, I know uh, for both you and I, it has been somewhat disappointing um, so be really interested to see what happens there. But uh before we do that, you know, I don't know, maybe we should enjoy wrapping up this enterprise duology and see how that comes to a close. Let's do it. Well, Casey, we are here uh at the end of Daedalus's children. And so we are finishing the duology as we mentioned uh for this enterprise series and One of the things that I was really interested in, and and honestly, um, we'll probably be jumping around a bunch today because we're wrapping up the story. But you asked, I felt like a very interesting question on the outline. And in all honesty, it seemed like a great question to kind of, because now that we've gotten the final part of the story, I think it is, is a perfect question to kind of ask here at the beginning, which is the timeline question. Like, you mentioned here possibly would this have been a better story set in a different part of the Enterprise timeline? And so what do you think? Do you think that that would have been the case uh, if, if, you know, this had been Maybe season four somewhere or, you know, if it had been like kind of a season five type story or somewhere else, um, or do you feel like it works here uh, in this second season timeline?
1: Yeah, I think because the, the, where it's set is like right towards the tail end of season two of Enterprise, which I think with the story we got in the first book in in Daedalus I think that worked okay, but then we had the kind of to be continued aspect of it, and this—I keep on calling an episode, but this because it, it—the way it's written, it actually feels—it—it—it it, it works really well, like it would be a good episode, but—but um but it, or multiple episodes really, because the story is so big, and bec- and it was once we got into the story and realizing how big. Uh, the story was the fact that they're in an alternate time or not a timeline, an alternate universe there, um, you know, they've got to get the enterprise back. They've got to figure out how to get home. They've got to get like, there's just so many things happening and we're like, they tell us it takes, it's been three or four weeks that they've been in this timeline. So we're talking a month. Mm-hmm. And to think that a month occurred between two episodes of a season that already has like 24 to 26 episodes i mean the timing doesn't work real well and so like the more i thought about it as i was reading along and and getting further and further into it it just felt like a story that worked better once like if i put it like in a in in a season five like between Mm -hmm. you know the um the terra prime episodes and right. and these are the voyages because that one i think had like a 10 year jump in it so like sometime in that time period because we don't that's that's kind of our new lost era of enterprise really is that we had this timeline jump um, before these are the voyages by like 10 years and we got um you, you know and then the then the other books take place after that you know after um, after the events of that show. And so I felt like this would have actually fit really well, like, cause it's kind of a bit of an Epic story could have fit well, either as a season four episode, since they had those, um, shorter arcs, um, or again, like something in, in this, uh, unfortunately non-existent season five, um, just because we knew our characters very well at that point. Sometimes the archer here, um, felt like the archer from season three and a little bit in season four, when he's basically, he tells, um, I can't remember who he's talking about, but he says, if he tries anything, hurt him. If he says, you know, if he doesn't feel well, if he apologizes, if he complains, like hurt this guy that they've got in mm-hmm. custody. And, um, it, it felt more like the season three. It didn't feel like the season two Archer, who was a little too rule, not rule abiding, but a little bit goody, goody, I guess that really got, got his hands dirty in season three.
0: I think that the fact that you brought the question up was something that is, it was one of those things where I couldn't pinpoint it reading the story. And then I saw that question and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's the thing that I feel like maybe, I felt like the first book didn't bring this question to mind for me at all. But there was something about this second book that I felt like absolutely did. Um and I again I couldn't put my finger on it completely. Um and I think you have just absolutely done so for me, and so thank you, uh, because <laughs> it was annoying the crud out of me. <laughs> but I I think that on top of the timeline question, which I think you just rightly nailed. To me, that there was something about the style of the writing in this story that felt different than the first book, and I don't. I, it was language choices that, especially people like uh, Trip or Archer, were using. Um, it felt. Like, there were too many colloquialisms that we use today, um, and which are basically shortcuts of being able to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a lot of ways, um, they're also, I would say, um, not something that you tend to see in published work um, of this caliber. And so I I felt like, to me, there were... It just didn't quite feel up to snuff in the, the writing style, I guess, that I'm used to for Star Trek books here. And that's also something to me that, along with the timeline issue, I think this is something else that also just kind of didn't seem to work for me um, as well as previous books.
1: Yeah. It's like, it felt like the only reason those colloquialisms were in there was so that then Archer or Trip or somebody would have to explain what that meant. And then at that point, mm-hmm. you've now just wasted several lines of text explaining to the reader what the reader already knows to explain it to an alien who doesn't know. And that mm-hmm. doesn't even matter, yeah. and and some of those things didn't even. I get it. trips said a lot of that kind of stuff, especially early in the series, but not. I feel like as much as these books really brought out in him. You know, it's kind of like um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the overdone brogue sometimes in uh, Scotty's when they write for Scotty, or the you know the accents that they do for Chekhov, yeah. yeah.
0: And 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 you know I. With Enterprise, um, I think those things happen more often. But I still just felt like it was just too much here uh, in this story. And it, it, it started to drive me a little bit crazy uh, in the book. Um, so that was a little bit frustrating. But for you two, um, you know, one of, the, one of the big parts of the story that we talked about last time was obviously the idea that they were in an alternate universe. But we did learn, and we had the question of, is this the mirror universe? Is this not? We learned that this is not the mirror universe. And so how did you feel about that revelation and the way that it allowed then Stern to kind of create some very different... um. Frustrations for our characters, different things that are happening to them because of where we are um, things that we're playing with then in this universe that that uh you know you wouldn't be able to do if it was the mirror universe. how did that all end up working for you um
1: I'm very glad that it wasn't the mirror universe just because we've had enough of that, but um also because it just canonically I know that they they did it in discovery, but if, mm-hmm. if we can't just have every crew go to the mirror universe and then classify it. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings up the look, one issue that I've got about this taking place in any kind of alternate universe, whether it's in our universe with alternate people coming over or our people going into an alternate universe, which is what happened here, is that how are they going to explain this? Like, you know, when the mirror universe shows up in, in uh, the original series, it's kind of like this revelation that, you know, parallel universes can exist. And so we've got this, a little bit of an issue here where, well, so, so how come it was such a surprise later? Like, how come they weren't exploring other universes? Why were they always going to mm-hmm. the mirror universe? Right. Um, that aside, I, I actually really liked, um, I, I liked the problem, I guess, that it posed for the crew as far as that they couldn't just warp off and go home. Um, but also the fact that they physically had to get out of there, that their bodies essentially weren't compatible uh, with this universe, with the food in it or with right uh, yep. the proteins or whatever it was. And um, that I felt like made for an interesting take on it, especially when the mm-hmm. revelations came out that uh, some of the Enterprise crew were also getting sick like Hoshi and Trip did um, while well, they were while well, they had been captured, but also some of the alternate universes people got sick when they ate food on the Enterprise. And so like it, it actually worked both ways. And so like that that whole aspect to me actually worked pretty well just because it seemed well thought out. And as far as like a quick universe building in in really just one book. I mean we started it in the last book, but we really got to explore this universe in this one. Um I thought it was it was good very consistent as as far as like how they worked with it and and, and the fact that mm-hmm. i think flocks was even um was he using that to to help Ferrick get uh get better i can't remember if that played into it but it, i think some of that like the medicine that he had mm-hmm. or the the tests that he could do were different from what what their people were able to do so I don't, it just all of it worked very well i feel like for the story it gave a, mm-hmm. a good problem for for the crew to try to figure out and fix.
0: Yeah. No, I, I mean, I really do agree with you on all of those points. Uh, I think this is one of those things where they really utilize this to the fullest potential. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think you were right in pointing out it is a little bit strange, obviously, the... It it does feel a little bit weird, um, that you know we go to this alternate universe and then, well, but I, we've never been to any other alternate universe other than the mirror universe, um, so it seems kind of strange, uh, that they're there now, and so, but in the end, I feel like this was was good because what it Also, bit was able to do is you know, characters like Duval, who we wondered about, well, then they weren't actually from our universe, you know, they were Mm -hmm. from that universe. And, 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 but I also liked that you didn't have to worry about any of the mere universe conventions of their evil and all that stuff, it's just that they're different, they've had different experiences. Like the fact that we learned that Duval and the archer from. This universe were actually a couple, mm-hmm. and when the accident happened, you know, she was pregnant with their son, which is who the first um Sidhir's quote unquote son is it's It's not actually his son, it's actually Jonathan Archers from this universe. and so I loved the way that those things were able to work and those revelations were able to come about because of the fact. That we weren't dealing with, you know, them being uh, in the the alternate universe, basically. So, yeah, I thought that this ended up working out pretty well. Um, and like it, the fact that, you know, we, we made a lot of the fact that it was a slightly annoying, I think, for us that, you know, Hoshi was kind of out of it the whole time. Yeah. But then with the explanation, I think helped with that too. Um, you know, the fact that she was having, cause everybody had different reactions, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting, you know, to this, the idea that the proteins in that universe aren't giving us what we need from our universe and therefore it was causing her to be really sick. And so that all really, I thought was fantastic as well. Um, because it really did work, so I thought that they did a very good job um, of kind of bringing all of this together uh, and making it make sense, which was great. Um, but at the same time, it is one of those points where you're like, okay, but that doesn't—that still doesn't—I don't know—just doesn't quite fit. Um,
1: so, yeah, I could. It's it's one of those like. It's it's an extra story. It doesn't have to necessarily fit. We could headcanon our way into it, yeah, or yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like it, it, at some point, we can just go, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> like yeah. it was sure know, a fine. good story. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, you're right. You're 100 percent right. And I, you know. That's the thing about these type of books right is is that they're not always going to end up fitting perfectly because of a lot of stuff that happens. Um but I, I think that they did a pretty decent job with the story and I think the author really did make it work in a very interesting way um that that made it more rewarding um again even just for where we were at the beginning. Yeah. Uh of the story in the in the last book it's like okay no he really made this stuff make sense and that's fantastic so we had some interesting uh i, I just kind of thought interesting losses some big losses and some gains in the story here uh and one of the biggest ones is that we have two major characters ending up dying and so you had Brant die as well as Duvall die uh, because of a booby trap set on the Enterprise. um, And they are not able to save them. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of a gutsy move because they were quite integral characters to the story. And and now they're just gone.
1: Yeah, it's um, I think it was Dr. Trant, right? Mm hmm. Um. And she – it was kind of one of those things, like, I don't know how many goodbyes she and and Trip were going to have, but it was – that was one of those, um, I don't know, heartbreaking love stories just because it was, you know, the the love or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it between the two of them that it was almost like a forbidden kind of thing. But they also knew that it couldn't last because he had to go back to his own universe, and she was the one that discovered the sickness anyways between – or, uh, from, uh, right. Hoshi and Trip and, um, and became a real strong ally and advocate for Trip and the rest of really mm-hmm. the Enterprise crew and trying to find peace, um, between the two warring factions. Yes. And so, yeah, that was, um, that would have, um, that would have been a tough one. You know, especially if we had it on screen over, you know, a, a two or three episode arc, because she was she was really brought up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's funny to say, like that one of these secondary um, kind of original characters for the novels, you know, dies. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I just wish from that we got to see more of Tripp's reaction because it, the book kind of finishes up fairly quickly after that. And we don't get he he pretty much has to go right back to work after it and doesn't get get much yep. time with it which would have been interesting to explore um and same thing with duval like she she was one like you mentioned earlier that we were questioning in the first book when we thought maybe she was from the prime universe uh as to her intentions of of um uh, turning sides i guess to go over to Sadir's side and you know, having his son, which mm-hmm. you know, again, like you said, was would turn out to be Archer's. And Archer really struggled with um looking at her not as the person that he was in love with, that's or at least had a a major crush on in his past. Um, but also just again, like, yeah, that it it happened so fast with her death. Like she she became like a sympathetic character very quickly when when we found out that, okay, she's from this universe, Mm -hmm. but she's also... She did go to Sadir because she knew she was pregnant and that that was going to be the only way to save her child, which we had kind of wondered about. Um, And so, you know, for her to die and then to leave this kid alone, I mean, it was just this, like, kind of massive heartbreak all at once for, you know, a couple secondary characters that... Um, I think that Dave Stern did a really good job making us care about them in such a short period of time, you know, so that when that their mm-hmm. deaths actually meant something like yeah. we want other people's deaths to make, mean something to our main crew, like the, the the main cast, I guess, of of the crew that we're reading about, in this case, Enterprise. Um, but the deaths, these two deaths with Trant and Duvall, like on their own, I felt like were were sad enough that it almost didn't matter what our own crew felt about it, like, because we, the reader, had kind of invested in these characters some. Um.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point with, with uh, both of them on all sides, um, in the sense that, you know, with Brant, it was interesting, because we don't get a lot of time for Trip to deal with the fallout, and then it's strange, because... Well that's such an important part of the story uh for Trip. And then we just kind of like Oh yeah, Trip had this like thing, a fling with a kind of married woman and now she's dead and you know, uh it, it just seemed very strange. And then, you know, because on on top of that, you know, you had Farrick who is getting back kind of his life, right? Mm-hmm. Um like, he wasn't going to be completely the same. He was never going to be completely the same because of all that had happened with him. Um, But I... I don't know. I, I just... It, part of that just kind of like... We didn't... We didn't really see the whole... Maybe this is just one of those things where it's like you would wish there was a book that kind of followed up with this in, in the novel continuity where you got a chance to get a piece of what happened um to trip like what how he was feeling uh about this afterwards because there isn't time in the book to deal with that and then i think the same thing kind of with duval dying you, you have the same thing with archer you know um although for him he's going to go back to his universe she's dead in both universes for him, you know? And so I don't know. It just, it's a, it was kind of a, a strange thing to, to be able to have. So there's a lot of stuff that kind of happens at the end of the book. And then we end and then you're done and then we'll never touch this again. And so it, it's not that it makes it a bad story, but it it just like, yeah, there's a lot of fallout that I feel like we should have. It almost feels like there should be an epilogue chapter, with them especially those two kind of dealing with the repercussions of those massive kind of emotional traumas that they've been through mm-hmm. um and it almost even just feels like it would be nice if the, there had been an epilogue with um Trip and Archer going camping or something together um to kind of deal
1: with what they've been through yeah you know so well Oh. And this is kind of one of those situations like this is a very long book compared to the first one. Um, I want to say almost twice as long, it seemed like anyway. <laughs> and, you know, I know we were both kind of a little on the fence after the first book of like, okay, well, where's this going? You know, we only really had Trip to follow on anything. And um, this this one was so jam-packed that I felt like they could have actually split it into mm-hmm. two slightly smaller yeah. books um, with – One story being about either, like, finding the Enterprise, like, or, you know, bringing Mm -hmm. the crew back together to Enterprise, and, um, the, the last book really being the kind of political intrigue with, with, um, the boy, Lehman, um, and the deaths of, uh, Trent Duvall, you know, Ferrick getting his mind back, uh, all of those things. So there could be more, a little bit more breathing room on, on that story, because even the son, we see him grieving some, like he wants to be alone, mm-hmm. but immediately has to jump into, okay, now I need to go save my people kind of thing. Right. And again, it just didn't, that part just never felt realistic with any of the, with Trip Archer and Lehman. I, you know, I, I've had very few people. I've been lucky that very few people in my life have passed away. Like, I, you know, a couple grandparents is, you know, really it. And so I haven't had to deal with that, but I also know that it takes more than an hour or two to, to get over, you know, something like that. And, and that's, you know, when you can see it coming, when it happens instantaneously, like right in front of your eyes, mm-hmm. it, it seems like people should, you know, be struggling with this more, and you know, Trip and Archer are both Starfleet trained, so maybe they know how to compartmentalize it better. But you know, I think the kid would be beside himself with grief, like he had lost his dad, like what, who he thought was his dad, yep. his father figure, whatever. You know, a while back, and now his mom just suddenly died right in front of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, to go and do he what finds he did. out like
0: huge news, which is yeah. that he is not who he thought he was. Exactly. So. I mean in the sense of like he's he's not part Denari, you know, his dad isn't who he thought his dad was really, you know, yeah. and um even though I mean in the end for him it it doesn't change as much just because you know he'll never probably know Archer um in in this you know universe most likely yeah. and so yeah, I don't know. It. Yeah, there seems... I like your idea of having this be a three-part story. Um, I think it actually would have worked better, and then you would have been able to do exactly what we were kind of talking about, which is the idea of like having a little bit more uh, time at the end to be able to... Uh, spend with the fallout of these characters, and even just spend a little bit more time with all of the characters for all the fallout that you mm-hmm. get um, and should have,
1: you know, with this. So uh, I'd like to uh, which, see Tripp and Ferrick have a little bit more time together mm-hmm, even, and mm-hmm. maybe yeah. him helping Ferrick know who his wife right. was a little bit before she died. Uh, I See,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many great story plot points here that you could do. And... This was an interesting thing for me, because I mean we we talk about the idea of trying to create a lasting peace here, and these factions are coming together, um, slowly transforming in the end, uh, towards democracy. Um but the book Again, this is another place where, you know, there's a precarious situation that they're in because Lehman is not Denari and and he's not even half Denari. So um, when the truth of that comes out and what's going to happen and it does feel a little bit like the story takes the shortcut um, and makes it seem like everything's going to be okay even when people find out and it just, you know, I I don't know. that. I don't know if that really worked well for me personally that it was such a shortcut because anytime you build some sort of political thing or the foundation of your, of your political society is a lie that never seems like a good thing to me.
1: Yeah. And yeah, they, you said it perfectly. I think they took a shortcut. The story took a shortcut. I mean, our crew did too, but, um, basically just to end it and get to the ending that we needed to end the story. But, yeah, I, you could kind of, they could even go on the shortcut route of somebody running up to the podium and going, Lehman's not even a Denari, you know, he's a full-blooded human. And the people kind of just shrugging and going, so what? He was still Sadir's son and he can still bring us peace, you know. Mm. But like, yeah. I like that. I think. I think realistically, what's going to happen is a lot of um, a lot of problems. When I mean, this is essentially just a cover up, you know. That and it will get exposed someday. With they, they never, they never remain covered forever. And I mean, you know, the, this could this could be a problem for them in the future. And I guess we'll never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep.
0: So, what you're saying is, is that a lot of S is going to hit the fan. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. So, well, I think the last big thing for me was getting home. Uh, And how do you feel about that? Because... How do you feel about that? <laughs>
1: uh, well, they got home. They they just got right away. It, it was uh, a problem mm-hmm. through the, that that uh, Tapal was trying to solve this entire book. And it turned out she couldn't. And then Hoshi jumps in because she's all of a sudden part of the story in the last 15 pages or so. And is basically... Uh, has, I guess, the deus ex machina idea that gets them home. You know, they were, they needed sensor data. And she's like, well, I had turned on the sensors accidentally. I'm such a klutz uh, in the uh, Sulaban cell ship that Trip and I took. And I think that's got all the information we need. Boom, we're home. And it, it just... I was bugged in the first book that she did not much to do. And I was really hoping that she was going to have something to do. Cause it was kind of one of those points where I was like, mm-hmm. if you're not going to use a character, don't use the character, but don't take her and make her sick the entire first book, sick the entire second book and go, Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about Hoshi. We probably need to do something with her and then make her the savior of everything that, you know, like that gets them home. I mean, they could have used her to such better effect throughout the stories or or not or again like she could have just this could have been a red shirt character i guess is what i'm trying to say like i'm just really bothered by how she was used in both of these books like i get that she didn't really she wasn't one of the main main characters the quote-unquote main main characters from the series but i mean neither was travis and he even had some good stuff to do i, I never liked how his treatment on the show but he even had some good stuff in this book but mm-hmm. hoshi i just felt like um this was such a disservice to her character that it, it would have been better if they had just forgotten that she was on the ship at all or just had her off at some conference before uh they went through the anomaly in the first place like because it, it just seemed like she was shoehorned in and i just didn't i, did, I didn't feel good about it like it it yeah, it, it bugged me at the end when um you know when uh and actually it was like uh what was there? There was one other thing that um she said, sorry, there was a quote here. Oh yeah. So there was a part too where um Archer contacts her. She's in her quarters eating because she's lost a lot of weight and the doctor wants to um have her uh, gain a couple more pounds to kind of get back to a healthy weight before she goes back on duty. Um, and, uh, Archer, she's, Archer sees her eating a steak and he's like, Oh, I didn't know you ate steak. And she goes, Well, this is kind of the doctor's order. So now the doctor's telling her she can't eat her normal, um, diet that she likes. Now she's being forced to eat meat. So sorry, vegans and vegetarians. Like, if the doctor tells you to, you have to eat meat. And then, and then Archer goes, Okay, well, we'll let you get back to eating. And that was the end, of, you know, until she came back at the end, it was like, wh- like, what was even the point of that? You know, like, I, it almost felt like the yeah. author just didn't like Hoshi and was going to, like, really stick it to her. Not only am I yeah. not going to use her, but when I do, I'm going to make her, you know, eat the food that, you know, she's chosen or, or unable to eat. I don't know.
0: I am 100% with you. Um. I just think the whole book, like you said, we talk about how nobody can figure out a way home, you know, and then we have this idea of what we need and everything and how it's, we can't get it. And then, yeah, it's just, we hit the easy button (laughs) and, um, it was a, It was very frustrating and it was disappointing because I felt like, you know, the first book had set things up well and then this book kind of squandered a lot of the opportunities I felt like were there because there, there are great ideas, I think, in this story and the whole story itself is a great idea. I just think the execution really fell flat for me in this second book, which is disappointing. And so, as we come to the close, I'm really interested to see where you land with your ratings, Casey.
1: (laughs) Well, rant aside about Hoshi, (laughs) um... I, I really did like this one. I felt like, yeah, there was, there was a lot of big things that happened here. It was a great story idea. And, um, I actually really, as I was going through it, I was really starting to think, wow, I think I might actually end up giving this one a five. Um, but especially towards the, when, when the end happened, that totally undid some of the good graces it had built up. So I, I landed with on a, uh, four, um, easy buttons um out of five and i i could i could push it up to four and a half but um as fast as the story moved and and everything i I could see this as as a five but i again i think um this would have been so much better if it had been broken up in into two books or even I mean, I already said it was a long book, but if it had been a longer book to just spend a little bit more time with this and get rid of the easy button and do something else, I think think it could have been much better. But yeah, I ended up with a four. Uh, how, about, how about your rating?
0: I just find that absolutely fascinating because <laughs> um, as we actually talked about the book. Um, yeah, I on Goodreads, you'd see it as a three. But to me this is actually probably a 2.5 out mm-hmm. of 5 and part of that has to do with the ways in which i felt like too much of the story didn't live up to the promise um again there are there are parts of the story that i really enjoyed I just the execution of them was lacking and then there were some other frustration i just i i the writing um never felt up to par of what I would expect. And so yeah, I was I was disappointed because, you know, I loved being back in Enterprise Mm -hmm. with that first book. And and this one just didn't end up doing it for me, um, with the way that it, you know, it landed the Enterprise. So it just is kind of more of a crash and burn than a nice soft landing. So, um But, you know, I'm excited because um, we are continuing on then um, next time with uh, more New Earth. So hopefully that series will
1: continue more of an upward trend. Well, uh, we've we've been to alternate universes. We've been to mirror universes. We're going back to New Earth. There's so much more in store for us as we're actually working our way towards episode 350 here on Literary Tracks. It's uh, very exciting. I don't feel like I've been on the show that long, <laughs> but uh, I've definitely been listening that long. So looking forward to that.
0: You know, I am very excited, Casey. I mean, it's been crazy to to be on this ride. You know, the Literary Treks was the first podcast that I ever started on and, um, you know, that I was, you know, a co-host on and everything. And so it's been an incredible ride as we get closer like you said to 350 but before we get there uh if anybody does want to catch up with you casey and just see what else you've got going on or maybe they want to talk more star trek books with you where can they find
1: you yeah you can find me on goodreads letterboxd twitter and instagram at knitting trekkie i'm more of a lurker on instagram and twitter but i'm um... Fairly active-ish on Goodreads and Litterboxed. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, uh, again, lurking in the Babel Conference. And you can also find me on a podcast called Mickey's Marvels, where we uh, talk about everything under the Disney umbrella. Although we are going to go rogue uh, on this upcoming episode, we're going to talk about Star Wars Episode 3 in preparation for Obi-Wan Kenobi.
0: Nice. Very nice. Well, uh, you, of course, you can find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing02. Of course, uh, here on the network, uh, with the 602 Club, which is our non-Star Trek side. Um, we love, uh, the, uh, the non-Star Trek side of the network because there's just so much to talk about. Uh, you can also find me, of course, here doing the Orb Warp Five, Saddle Up, and the Artificial Tango, The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. Chris and I are celebrating 20 years of Enterprise. We're walking through every single episode there. Uh, you've also got Saddle Up, which is about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and The Artificial Tango, where we talked all about Star Trek for Card Season Two, and we got some things in the works maybe uh, as well for that. As we wait for Season Three, uh, and of course, you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network. One uh, show I did there that's completed now is Owl Post. I did that with Drea Kaufman. and We talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And last but not least, doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. But We want to say thank you, of course, so much for joining us. And until next time, live long
1: and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.